Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. Look at this. They dedicated their son today, and they're a combo. They're amazing. Rob and Tina G. I'm always grateful for them. Um, man, guess what? 70% of Americans hate their job. They do. Like 70% of Americans, when interviewed, hate their job. They're either discontented, they're disgruntled. And it's probably because we have a distorted view of what jobs should bring. And it's not necessarily our fault to blame, right? Because we're taught our whole life, what are you going to be when you get older? How are you going to make money? How are you going to provide for your family? Newsflash, it doesn't fulfill people, and a lot of people can't provide for their family, and they're trying really hard. Some of the whole world right now is their whole life is going to be spent working from hand to mouth. And what that means is if their hands aren't working, they might not eat. So when we look at this work series, I think it's pretty important. I really do. I think it's something that's so important because you spend 50 to 60 to 70 hours a year week doing other things other than coming here. And so if we really love and care about you, we have to holistically look at people and say, come on, let's talk about all aspects of life. And the beautiful thing I love is God talks and he has a plan and he has been so intricate and elaborate at telling us what work should look like and how he made us to work in his image. He wants us to rule. We have royal DNA in us, each person here. You have royal DNA. Maybe you don't see yourself as a king or a queen, but you are. You're a king and you're a queen. You have royal DNA. You may think a priest is, is, has some high position, but you could be a farmer and be a priest. All you do to the glory of God, people that are made in the image of God. The Lord God, Genesis 2.15, took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. We've been learning the last couple weeks that we don't work to live, we live to work. God created us in his image to work. We don't work to live, we live to work. And that work is a good thing. Okay, so this kind of sets the backdrop for where we're going to go today, because we're going to lean in on attention today. Work is good, and work is worship. The same word that was used in the Old Testament for work was the same one that was used for sing a song that we were just doing a little bit ago. They feel a little different though, don't they? But they have the same kind of idea that we gotta lean in, we gotta gruel, we gotta, we gotta put ourselves down and we gotta humble ourselves before God and we need his help and we need his guidance and we gotta exalt him to worship him. So work is worship. I love this quote by Martin Luther King Jr. It says this, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets, sweep streets so well that all the host of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. It is so beautiful meeting people that love their craft you might not get to meet Bruce, but Bruce is the custodian, uh, he's the custodian architect that opens up the building for us here early in the morning. 
I love getting to talk to him. 36 years he's been dominating in the schools. And just talking to him today, you know what he said? He says, I show up 40 minutes before I'm even supposed to, just in case. I show up 40 minutes more than I'm supposed to, just in case. I was like, man, sounds awesome. Why? Because here lived a street sweeper and he did his job well. That's what I'm talking about. Like, that is it. Because God sees it all. He doesn't see this as more glamorous than he does see sweeping. In fact, Jesus left heaven, left the comforts of home, came down, he left his kingship, and he started to be a worker. When we hear about Jesus as a carpenter, we we often think he's like, you know, this crazy elaborate woods maker and he's got these great designs and there's cherubim in the designs and he's just this great crafter. It's probably more accurate that he was general labor carpenter mode. Like he's dude man on the job and he's okay with it. He's dude man on the job because he understood how to get close to people. He understood how to break down the walls and the barriers And for the majority of humans all across the world, they're going to spend their life grueling and groaning, working with the land, working with machinery, working with tools, and to provide food for their family. And we get distorted along the way, and there's a reason for it, and we're going to look at that today. And the distortion comes from the fall, and the distortion comes from us having a perspective on the wrong thing, the things than the king. And so I pray today that we get a new perspective. We're going to look at Genesis 3. This is when something very, 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 very bad goes wrong. One and two are great. God creates. It's amazing. He sees that it's good. He creates you and he creates me in his image. And he says, go rule and dominate. Go dream. In the garden, go dream. One day it's going to become a city. I want you to dream with me. I want you to go rule. I want you to go subdue the land. I want you to take dominion over it. There's gold there. You're going to one day build houses. One day you're going to find yourself working at Apple. God knew. And why do we know he knows? Because at the end of all of it, a new city comes down. God knew there would be cities. He knew it. He was creating that all by design. He put it into the codes, the codes of our life that he knew he would work through you and me. And that we would rule and we would create. And he gives us one rule. Just one rule. If you're God, like you, you're allowed to drop some rules. Let's just say that, right? I think we too often, when we start to come to the Bible or when we come to the topic of God, we come with the assumption that we are God. And if you listen to rap, you, uh, you're like me and you thought you, you were like you, God. Like I'm a God. Like, no one who knows, there's like 6% of the room who knows what you God is. You God is a rapper with Wu-Tang. And like, and what we are gods, right? Well, we're not big capital Gs. We're like a little G made under him, right? And so our job is to steward what he's given us, not take what's rightfully his. So when he says a rule, we got to abide and stop back. Got to step back and say, hmm, okay, God, it's yours. You're the king. So he tells us in chapter two, you can rule, you can create, you can go, all these places, start naming animals, so you can name your dogs. I had a dog named Toro. Uh, he was, uh, I had 12 years, and then he got hit by a car on my 18th birthday, but I love Toro, man. I love Toro. I believe Toro's in heaven, and so we can debate about that offline, like Toro's in heaven. Jesus comes back on a horse, but animals aren't made in the image of God. They aren't. People are, and he tells us one thing. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, fine. You've already given me enough to do, God. Let's not eat from it. And here's where we pick up the story. 
So it's important to remember in Genesis, there's historical emphasis going on here, but also narrative, almost like a movie, poetic expression. So lean in with that kind of insight. Maybe you've just saw Genesis as just like black and white, and it, you're like, I, I got some questions here. Like, why is there talking like snakes and stuff? We're going to talk about that here shortly. Okay, check it out. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than all the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, here's where it gets crazy. Did God actually say? Did God actually say? I want you to remember that. Did God actually say? Because Satan is a liar and he's going to say this to you this week. Did God actually say that you should really forgive that person? Did God really say that you shouldn't go hang out with those people? Did God really say that he really loves you even when you mess up? Did God actually say that? Satan is a liar. Okay, check it out. You shall not eat of any tree in the garden, and the woman shall said to the serpent. I love this. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of that tree. In the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So the woman gets it. God has told me, don't go there. I'm not going to go there. I want nothing to do with that. But how many of you know that, like, you can get enticed and you can find yourself doing things you would have wished you never would have done? It all goes back to right here. When you're a little bit tired and you say things you wish you wouldn't have said, or you find yourself partaking in events that you wish you wouldn't have because you're discouraged, because your heart isn't full with the things of God, and this world has beat you up and beat you down, and you find yourself like this because Satan will come back again. The serpent in verse four said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And it continues in verse six. So when the woman saw that the tree was good, so she shifts the perspective to the creation, not what the creator told her. Guilty, okay? I've done this. Like, wow, look at these things, God. You know, you just like a, sh you're like, you're, you're, it's almost like a fish seeing the bait and you just bite this hook. So you start running to the things that won't fulfill you, but God is already there with you. And she starts to look differently. And that it was delightful to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired and make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Their eyes were both opened and they knew that they were naked. This is why we're not walking around naked. Amen. Then they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. How sad is this? When we mess up, what do we do? Run, like the shame tactics, get, get down, I gotta hide. Oh man, I got, you know, right? It's so sad. I love God because God comes and he finds us. It is so different than any other religion. Religion says this, obey and you're accepted. Christianity says this, you're accepted, therefore we obey. See the difference? Like obey and then I'm accepted, Come on, that's like, that's like any other thing we've ever done in our life. Accepted just as I am through Jesus. I want to obey him because he's forgiven me. It's powerful. And God says, in the presence of the Lord and the God of the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? That's what God says to us. And then in verse 10, and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? 
Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me. Here's where the excuse train comes. Excuse train. Like, I want to ride the excuse train. Well, wait, hey, but it wasn't me who really ate it, but I did eat it. But hey, let's talk about old girl. Old girl got me eating this thing. Maybe you don't talk like that, but that's kind of how, this is my paraphrase. Now, you might say, the, the beloved girl that you placed in the garden, she got me to eat it. I'm reading it like, old girl got me to eat this thing, and I don't want anything to do with it, right? And he says this. She gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, well, what is it that you have done? Excuse train. Here we go. The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. You think God's okay with these excuses? Come on. Verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, this is where he starts dealing out the consequences. There's a consequence for our actions many times. If someone builds a bridge and it's faulty and cars fall off it, like you gotta build the bridge, right? The way it was meant to be so cars can drive on it. God tells us don't eat from this tree. Like let's do that so we can keep driving on it. And so when it doesn't happen like that, here comes how it rolls out. Here comes the issue. Here comes where we start to feel the effects in our work. It says to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed above all the livestock and above all the beasts of the field, and on the belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman. Here's where it starts talking about Jesus all the way in Genesis. And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head. This is a verbiage for when Jesus comes on the scene, it will be a fatal blow for Satan. And then here's what Satan's blow will look like. And you shall bruise his heel. And to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. I've been in the labor room. Okay, this is, this is intense. No, like, this is serious. This is real. Grabbing your hand, going nuts, like, are you going to do the epidural? I don't know. I just did it. You know, I remember I was texting the family. Get off the phone, right? What are you doing? I was like, oh, man, my bad. I'm like, I'm here for you. Like, you got this. You know, it's just nuts. But it's awesome. I'll go there as kids in the room. In pain you shall bring, and I love family services. We don't get to do these often, but I love them. And it's so cool to have Zach in here with us. And it's a lot of times they're down there with the big kids. And so this is just a blessing. So you may hear a little bit extra noise, but, but this is good, you guys. This is what it should feel like. This is what it should feel like. And to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. You, your desire shall be for your husband. It's the battle of the sexes right here. And he shall rule over you. Now, they're equal, okay? They are. Equal in worth, but different in order and different how they'll rule, but equal in worth to God. And before the effects of the fall, there was none of this. So it's very important to remember what took place. And then here's where Adam, guys, listen up, Father's Day. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and you have eaten the tree which I've commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because you in pain you shall eat of it all of the days of your life. This is why work is hard. This is why 70% of us are disappointed at work. It's because the ground is cursed, and in our work there will be pain. And it goes all the way back to this talking snake deceiving us and us choosing that. So with our first father, which was Adam, 
the effects of sin enter all of our lives. And then with our real father coming on the scene, the second Adam, Jesus, the effects of sin get broken, and that's how we find freedom. Some of you don't know Jesus yet, so you don't have that freedom. So all you're doing is feeling the effects of Adam, and you're feeling the effects of sin. You don't have to break it today. The good news is it's already been broken. Jesus broke it for you. But you just got to give up, and you got to let him do the work in you and let him kind of, you know, get rid of that. So this is the truth that's going on here. Work is painful from the fall. It is. There's no way to get around it. You have to work, understand that work hurts, but it is still good, okay? It is still good. Work is still good. I love this model, work hard, play hard. Because as a kid, I didn't believe this. I believed work as little as possible, play even harder. We're Americans, right? Like, unless you grew up in a great family where you had great structure and you were trained the discipline of life at a young age, that's awesome, that's beautiful. You lead the way in that for us. For other of us, it's like a reprogramming that every day we gotta figure out how to work. I mean, it is tough. Until you get something taken away from you, then you will start to realize, man, I need to work. I need to work hard. I need to lean in. I need to grind. It's where people talk about fall in love with the grinds. It's not fun. It's not fun. There's a quote that says, successful people do often what unsuccessful people do occasionally. That's work, you guys. Like, that is work. That is work. I remember I worked for um, this little petite lady that was, had to have been 94 pounds. And she was in her high 70s, 80s, but she was driven like as all get out. And we used to go pick up change from these apartment complexes. And we would have like $10,000 in quarters in the trunk in her Cadillac. And we would just drive around, but we never went to the same spot. She was so strategic. So no one knew when she's coming or when she's going. And I realized that's probably because we got 10K in the trunk, right? With a little lady. And I remember one day it was raining. So we're gonna go, not going to go out. And she had me refurbish the coin, the coin where you put the coins in or whatever, right? Like you refurbish those things. And it's so archaic now. We can't even really believe it. But it still happens at laundromats and stuff, right? So you put four quarters in. You push it in, you know, and they can't get it out always. She had me refurbish them all with metal wire brushes for like six hours. I remember standing there. I'm like 20 years old. I'm thinking, what am I doing? This is atrocious. It was just a summer job. I was trying to make a little extra money. My boy Jay hooked me up with it. It was awesome. And so I'm shining these things, shining it. And it looked awesome. And I put them to the side. And she comes over to me. She had this raspy voice. She's like, you're not done. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, look. She, she grabbed it. She said, give it to me. She started shining it like crazy. Shining it. Shining it. And it was spotless. And she goes, just this little bit of extra effort, it'll go another five, ten years. And I was like, whew. I don't know if it literally go an extra five, ten years. But I'll tell you what. She knew something that I didn't know then. She knew the extra five percent would always be the hardest. The finish line would always be the hardest. That you... Love your craft and you do it unto God. Even when no one's looking, it's going to be hard, right? You got to work hard. We got to fall in love with the grind. So let's not deceive ourselves anymore. I'm sick of lies. I'm sick of being lied to. I am so sick of it. Life is going to be hard. Work is going to be hard. And God says it's going to be that way. Why are we lying to ourselves? Like there is no magic spell. It isn't happening. But it's okay because there's freedom. That's the bad news, you guys. That's the bad news. Proverbs has a lot to say about this. Check it out. Proverbs 14, 23, it says, hard work always pays off, but mere talk puts no bread on the table. My sixth grade football coach always said, talk is cheap, boys. Talk is cheap. I wonder if he read this. Talk is cheap, boys. Talk is cheap. Friends, our talk is cheap. Let's quit talking. 
Let's work for our Lord. The diligent find freedom in their work. The lazy are oppressed by work. And I love this proverb. It says, you lazy fool, look at the ant. I'm like, who are you talking to? Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All the summer it stores up food and at harvest it stockpiles provisions. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed, a nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there, sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? And almost, I mean, we don't even have to preach. Like, let's just read this thing. Just this. You can look forward to a dirt, poor life, poverty, your permanent house guest. There's a filter that's really good for our work model. It's one skill, two opportunity, and three desire. I long to live this more, and I long to have us all live this. This isn't just your feel good, kind of tickle your ears. This is like what it's about. If you want to be a dad, you got to stay. If you want to be a dad, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be fun. Like I show up, they're crying. I leave, they're crying. It's like, and I don't do, I don't hit a hundred here. I really don't. Crystal hits like 104, it feels like. I feel like I'm always got the opt-out thing. Like, babe, can I just go like to the coffee shop real quick? I got work to do. You know, I was saying that last week. It's the same thing. Same thing happened again this week. It's like, hey, babe, I got to go uptown. I mean, and she's the one texting me, hey, thanks for working hard for our family. I'm sitting there thinking, well, you're working hard too. Stay at home. Moms work hard. You got praying grandmas that are working hard. You got all kinds of people that are working hard. Some of us, life's been unfortunate and you hit an unemployment spell. It's okay. You can still work hard trying to find a job. We can work hard. One skill, two opportunity, and three drive. Skill means this. Are you even good at what you do? Maybe you got to switch professions. Two, is there opportunity to dream for what you're dreaming for? If not, then maybe that's just a good old-fashioned sign that the door is closed. And then three, if you really want to find the sweet spot, I see these as circles. I heard a guy illustrate this, and it was great. He had a circle for skill, he had a circle for opportunity, and he had a circle for desire. And if they all come together, you have a sweet spot in the center. Can you kind of envision it? That sweet spot in the center. But if you don't have all three, then you might as well just kind of opt out. So if I want to be in the NBA, well, I'm 36 and I'm 5'6". Right, like I let that dream go because I thought I had the skill. I for sure didn't have the opportunity. I had desire, but I don't have that anymore. Let's just be real, okay? You may think it's funny, but like that's how I filtered it. Skill, opportunity, desire. And here's where we're gonna land this morning before we do baptisms. Why would God curse the land? Why would he make pain in childbearing? Why would he make it so hard to try to pay our bills? Why would he make it so difficult to change the legacy of your family, to beat addiction? Why would it be so hard? Because we go all the way back to the garden and this talking snake. The point isn't a talking snake. Here's the point. We were negotiating with what God told us to rule. He told us to dominate the land, dominate over all creatures. And here we are negotiating with the things, negotiating with the car, negotiating with the house, negotiating with the job, negotiating with this relationship. When God was saying, rule it, that's not where you find your source. Dominate it unto me. And here's why the pain had to be there. I really believe this. The pain had to be present because if the pain wasn't there, we would build a kingdom so beautiful and so successful, we wouldn't need God anymore. We wouldn't need God. We wouldn't. It makes me cry even saying it. It's just, we wouldn't need God. Think of that. Your life, you could build so high, so tall, so strong. But the pain reminds you 
that we need a Savior. The pain reminds us that we need Jesus. How could a God allow suffering? How could a God allow evil? It gets erased because we see a God comes down. He suffered. A God was broken by the evil. A God did it for us in our sin and our wickedness. And so we see that God understands this oh so well as he allowed his son to be the greatest work that ever took place. He's allowed his son, the king, that could have came rightly down to dominate and rule. He could have said, kiss my pinky ring, right? Like Jesus could have done that stuff. Instead he said, hey, I'm gonna wash feet. I'm gonna go be by the idiots and the misfits that people don't wanna be around. That's who I'm hanging with. I'm gonna go be around the broken. I'm gonna be around the ones that people think are a joke or the ones that are smoking that can't beat addiction. I'm gonna be with them. I'm gonna keep loving them. And they're gonna see that my love's gonna wanna change something so powerful in their life that they're going to be set free. And that's the kind of thing that's going to take place. So I pray. That's why I pray. I pray that we would work through the pain unto Jesus. Work through the pain. And we could go on and on and on, but there are so many scriptures that says, submit to your bad bosses because I'm your big boss. And you'll show light the brightest when you're in tough situations. So shine. Because there's a kingdom that this world can't see. And it won't be taken. It won't be broken. And we're working for a paycheck that is eternal, that we have, that has so many zeros, it's infinite. The beauty of Jesus, you guys, that we could miss it all on this planet, but have it all for eternity. I pray that we wouldn't be people that would have everything here and then miss it all for eternity. And there's a sweet spot where you can find how to do both well. That percentage, though, is small. And that percentage, though, is um, with a big responsibility to those that have much, responsible for much, faithful in much. And so where we land this morning is this. Our joy is Jesus. Our paycheck is Jesus. And our work is for his glory. Period. So as we work, we reflect the beauty of God. And when we work, we reflect how awesome Jesus is. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for each person here that they would see work differently. They would see the grind differently. Not to run from it, but to embrace it, asking you for help, asking to show your love. And God, I pray that people that keep trying to grind on their own power, work on their own power, especially when it comes to receiving you, I pray that they would not be God anymore of their own life and they would feel the loving kiss and hug and spiritual lifting up from you. That says, quit running, quit hiding. Give it all to me and you'll have a new life, a brand new start. Help us work better to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.